accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. We're continuing running through Deep Space Nine. We're up to Rivals, which is episode 11 of the second season. First aired on January 2nd, 1994. It was teleplay goes to Joe Minoski. Story credit goes to Jim Trombetta and Michael Piller. It was directed by David Livingston. In this episode, Quark feels threatened when a con artist arrives on the station and opens up a competing bar. Meanwhile, Chief O'Brien is determined to beat Dr. Bashir at racquetball. We're joined by Modi. Modi, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Not too bad. Ready to talk about rivals. We'll have a, we have our uh, our own rivalry going, right? As competing YouTube channels, not really competing, but if yeah, we, that's what it is. We can we can build off of that. And, uh, we <laughs> we can, got something to relate to. Yeah. Yeah. We we can. I actually saw myself every time I looked at uh, Chris Sarandon's face. I just said, "There's me, just out there, just being a rival." <laughs> okay. Good. Um, let's see here. I don't think there's much opening information about this one. It's basically just a. Uh, a lighthearted little romp that has to do with rivalry, as the the title deals with rivals. But anyway, we're going to take a break. We're going to play an audio clip, and me and Modi are going to come back, and we're going to break down rivals. Good workout? Oh, medical school. Captain of the team at medical school. Who are you talking about? Bashir. You had a game? No, he had a game. I, I just kind of stumbled around the court for 90 minutes and made a complete ass of myself. I'm sure he didn't see it that way. The hell he didn't. That smug look on his face. I guess you prefer old-style rules. Like I was some kind of fossil. My dad could have wiped the cord with him. That's a point. You're not a kid anymore. It's nothing to be ashamed of. People just naturally slow down. Oh, like molasses in winter, huh? Thanks. Miles, you're taking this way too seriously. I'm out of shape, that's all. I just need to get me win back. Sector champion, my eye. He's vulnerable to every one of my best shots. I just... I just couldn't get them there. This time. All right, so, rivals. Um... I don't know where, where do you want to start off with how, what you thought oh, about man. this one or do you think did you did you enjoy it on some level when you watched it? I did actually. I think it's 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 pretty aside from the bad ending and like bad plot resolution for it which is kind of just kind of uh techno babble kind of resolution for everything. Um I did like the writing of it. I thought the dialogue was very good. I thought the I love I just like con artist stuff, I guess in general. Yeah. Um so I like I like seeing duplicitous characters and trying to figure out their motives and what their what their game is um and as soon as you introduce a con artist i'm already like trying to spot every single con in the entire thing yeah and there's multiple in this one which was fun so um yeah i think that it's a it's a very light-hearted episode uh it's it has a really unique tone that's un- unlike anything else that i think i've seen so far in the series where it feels the tone almost feels like a like late '80s Cheers style sitcom on some yes. level. Yes, it's it's very it's very like comfortable, and you get a sense of the station that I don't think we've seen so far. Like what life on the station is kind of like outside of the senior officers uh, doing stuff, and I don't think it's a bad episode. I don't find it 
I don't find it super enthralling, but I don't find any. I don't find it like to be offensive or like a bad time. I do feel it's a little bit lackluster. It was written by Joe Minoski, and it kind of fits a lot of Joe Minoski scripts, which is this really good idea that doesn't really get going by the end of it. Um, and here, you had mentioned that the the plot resolution wrap up uh, where they figure out that these machines are causing like the probability of the universe inside the station to be altered so that people either have very good probability very good luck basically or very bad luck i almost which is pretty dumb it's pretty dumb <laughs> it, it it felt almost like magic to me in a way yeah, that star trek basically. doesn't feel like magic all the time and this felt very much like magic did you was that your problem or was it just the resolution was no that was tidy? it that was it the, the resolution was uh just nonsense shoot the um, machines yeah exactly it's, it's it's just like it's but the entire like way they figured it out and i liked i liked everything up until the point where they're trying to explain it, it that that's why it is it is magic at the end you're right it's it's uh everything's fun up until they have to try to explain what's going on i don't even understand why people like playing the game so much you know it doesn't make any sense either well i guess i know i i get why people like playing the game you see like all these little uh uh, Facebook games and stuff like that. Like it's just, it's just you know, a dopamine injection. Like it is, but was, um, isn't it just a bright light shining in your face? Like yes, I, I, that's I, all it is. I didn't really. I, but you're no... winning at it though. You feel lucky when you do it. It feels like you have meaning in the universe because this game thinks you're good enough. Yeah, I guess so. It's it's a little bit. And so what? So what do you make of the guy who delivers that purple ball in the first place? That alien that dies. Uh, I thought I I really wanted them to do more with that. So I'll I'll tell you my my alternate theory, my alternate uh when I when I see a con artist film or or movie or anything like that, I I always try to find every single person's conning. And I thought this guy was a con artist too in that um uh, I thought it was actually Odo disguised as this guy giving this thing to um Marcus Humperdinck. Yep. Because uh because the way it would tor- kind of torture him because because it's a it's a thing he would start to to use and think of his luck and then all of a sudden it would run out at some point and he would attribute everything he's doing to bad luck and then then feel like he's uh lost in the universe because he's been depending on this object for so much luck in his, in his life yeah i thought it was odo as a plant in the cell with him because he guy just shows up out of the blue and gives him this thing so i really thought it was going to go deeper with the cons and uh if a turn like that unfortunately it did not go that direction which I don't know. My, my think my version sounds more interesting, but no, he's he's just a Deus Ex Machina, basically. Yeah. He he just exists to insert this little um, purple ball, which is funny at the time because uh, my kid is now old enough that he he every time he sees a ball, he says ball. So he was watching this episode sort of on in the background, just pointing at the screen constantly, saying ball. I had to turn the volume up on the TV so I could drown him out. But the um, the, the <laughs> as fa- usual, <laughs> the, the 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 introduction of that little machine. It does feel a little bit too magical, although I think that yeah. the, the lighthearted nature of the episode allows that. And I think it's important for the show to have these kind of episodes. I just don't think that this one is particularly good. I do like the the con artist aspect. And I think that this is probably Quark's best storyline on some sense yeah. because it's not dealing like with the other Ferengi. And he's on the ropes the entire runtime, really. He's having to yes, work against it's something. it's good to see him. Yeah, it's good to see him... Uh having to battle somebody else like this in this in this way. And I think that maybe a major part of the the problem I have with it is that the, I don't think the guest actor who's uh Prince Humperdinck from Princess Bride mm-hmm. he I don't think he's really very good here. I think you needed to go big with this character. Yeah, it was kind of a reserved thing cuz he was his his character they put him as a listener yeah. kind of character and Elorians, so he's, yeah, he's, I mean I didn't I don't know. I don't I don't mind the performance actually. I think he's a is a pretty decent actor and uh 
I, th I think I think you can see. I think you can see why they cast him in it. I think you, I think he's good in the role. So yeah, because he he has know. to kind of play a um a not a womanizer, but like a uh, like a male uh, a guy who takes advantage of like wealthy women. Kind of like he has to be charismatic yeah. and charming on that level. He is in the script. He's uh, described as an, an Elorian. So this is actually I think it's the first mention of the Elorians because Star Trek Generations came out after this, and that's when Guinan's race was given a name. He was originally uh. meant to be Guinan's son in this uh, oh interesting and they took that out because Whoopi Goldberg was not able to appear in the episode so they just kind of exited out but they kept his reference as a listener uh in which I it, it's kind of one of those things I I wish that the focus on the Elorians had been done a little bit stronger because it is interesting to have a duplicitous member of that race because it's a it's a very evil superpower kind of yeah um it is you let people hang themselves with their own rope yeah, you just sit back and let them do all the talking. Yeah, and you just, just, you uh, just let, let them talk. them forward with questions. And you can see with Guinan, too, she's not doing it in a in the evil sort of sense, but she is a listener as well. It is very much uh, someone that is very engaged. Engaged, engaged listening is what their, their superpower is, which is an <laughs> right. odd thing to have. I mean, anybody could do that, but nobody does. Yeah, do you think it's a... Do you think that they have some kind of ability, or are they just charismatic people? I'm guessing it's a culture thing, not a not a super like ability or anything like that. It's just it's just that's how they are. Okay. Um, their their culture is is more listening. Built around that. yeah. So when Elorians live together, does anyone talk? I guess would be the problem. Yeah, like, probably need to. Yeah. Who, who who talks in that case? I I thought that the um because of the 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 quirk storyline is good. Rom going over to work with the guy is good. Rom has a bunch of funny lines when he's trying to explain like his growing up with quirk. What oh, that God. was like. That was pretty funny. Um. But I do think that the we I, I think we disagree a little bit. I do think that Sarandon's role as Martus or whatever that guy's name is should have been. He needs to be a little bit more broad, maybe on this kind of a comedy episode. Like mm -hmm. I, I, I just found a lot of the scenes with him yeah. not particularly interesting. Yeah, I think I think they could. I think he's even capable of doing it. Cause there's there's scenes in Princess Bride where he does go broad with the character a little bit more yep, of yep. of the over the top anger he gets it in the later scenes of that. Um, and the cowardice he gets later on in that in the in the film, yeah, uh, it it he is capable of doing it. Maybe it just wasn't good enough directed. Maybe the um the other aspect that uh, the other storyline that's going on is the O'Brien and Bashir story. I guess it's the B story technically. Yeah, here I I enjoy yeah, it more it than the Quark, uh, the uh, Quark rivalry storyline because th this is the O'Brien Bashir rivalry where they. The description says that they're playing racquetball, but it's it's not racquetball. I don't think they uh, call it racquetball, though. I called it space squash, but they oh, do, do call they? it racquetball in, in the in the episode. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize they call it racquetball in the in the episode. I, I feel like yeah. it's it's not a it's not a standard racquetball court, so I don't definitely know. definitely not. <laughs> and um, but I enjoyed this one. I thought it was good. I think it's good to see those two together. What'd you think? Yeah, I, th I thought the, the I was like I was like kind of joking at first. I thought this was a terrible idea for a B story. That this is going to be this O'Brien comes to terms with aging kind of thing. Um, I'm glad they went. It, it tied back into the main plot uh, in an interesting way. But yeah, I did like the rivalry. Um, it was an interesting take on it to see both sides of it because yes, you see Julian yeah. like I don't want to embarrass this guy kind of thing, and then O'Brien just stewing about it to uh, Keiko. I, I um, think it's in. It's pretty good. It's smart that they balanced it like that. Yeah. I think they didn't just make it either the O'Brien POV or the Bashir POV, but you they both have a good reason for not wanting to play against each other and wanting to play against each other. Uh, so it feels very 
the conflict there feels very natural in a way that uh, it doesn't always. And I think that the you really get a sense of like O'Brien has kind of a an angry edge. O'Brien, oh yeah, O'Brien has his like stereotypical sort of Irish temper. I think about things like this. He's he's fairly threatening towards Bashir at one point when when Bashir tries to throw the first game. And uh, yeah. O'Brien's like, you either play or you get the hell out of here. And then he storms out. It's, it's good. He's very competitive. Like it, it doesn't it doesn't shine through immediately because at first you're like, oh, he's like like he's just practicing by himself. And and Bashir comes in and he doesn't he seems reluctant to play at first. But then as soon as he starts, he gets ultra competitive about it. And maybe that's the reason he wasn't want to start in the first place because he knows what he's capable of when he, knows, he gets to the, once he gets obsessed with it like that he knows he's 38 or whatever they say in this yeah. episode. i think dex <laughs> pegs him at 38 years old but yeah it's it, it, they do a good job with the design between like o'brien's wearing just sort of like cruddy old shorts and like a rugby shirt to play this game and, <laughs> and the headband at the very end the head, she says, she says it's a him. silk headband too which is uh, oh, a little God, bit odd i don't know if that's so some funny. kind of cultural reference but the uh bashir is dressed up in like the the sort of super into its spin instructor way, like he, he's very, yes, he's very really just fun actually. <laughs> yeah, and he's way too into it. Wants to play classic rules. He's like, oh, okay, sure. If he wants what you want to do, I mean, yes, yeah. I, I, I like, I love the classic rules too. Don't no problem. <laughs> it leads to good um, O'Brien, the O'Briens scenes too, in yes, a way because. Unfortunately, the show tends to treat their relationship as an excuse to get like bad writing about bickering. A lot of the mm-hmm. time, like they're 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 usually just kind of yeah, yeah arguing with each other about some small item, and this is a rare example of them being shown as a supportive couple to each other. Which yeah, I think there's no is, there's no anger or anything like that in this one at all. Like I I, I agree. Yeah, they, usually they paint them in a bad light almost. Yes, um, the yeah. relationship, but this actually shows the kind of like oh I get it now. This is this is why they're together kind of thing. Right, and it's not like Keiko is just sort of pushed aside because she's oh, when O'Brien comes home first, she's like you know you're getting old, like maybe you just can't do this. But then she is supportive at the end, so it's not like she's just mm-hmm. the submissive, supportive wife to him. It's a good balanced relationship, and I think that her acting in it is actually pretty good. When he give when he goes off to his final. When he's getting dressed and she's like dressing him like a samurai and he goes yes, off to play. It's it. so funny. It's a very good scene. She did very well, yeah. Let's see here. Um, the Outside of those two plot lines, I think that the, the episode works best as a character examination. The plot line, I don't think, really holds up to it. And I was thinking that a way that I would improve the plotting of this is I would have, I would have tried to add more random events going on and i i don't know what your thoughts are i'll kick it over to you just by saying that it's very difficult to demonstrate changes in probability outside of having characters say i'm being very lucky today yeah you know what i mean there's it's very they have scenes of like well i was trying to i was looking through these thousands of files and the first one i looked at was the one that i was looking at it's like i guess no cool it it's it's tough to it's a tough idea, the idea of randomness being altered to demonstrate on screen in a way that's not just clunky on the nose dialogue. Did you notice that? Yeah, the yeah, it was all it was all exposition based. Like they they, they kind of explain everything that happened. I mean, he had uh it Kira's machine the two computer that she's working on all of a sudden crash and also lose the backups. Yes, which yep. is probably the best representation of it, but it also is something that you can't really represent visually. Yeah, um, you have to explain everything that's happening there, uh, and then she like falls over, doesn't she? As, as <laughs> yeah. soon as she gets up or something like that, it's like okay, so that's kind of fun. I I liked the 
the best representation of it was the scene with uh at the end with O'Brien and Bashir throwing the ball on the wall. Yes, that's the that best. Was the, that was yeah. that was the best visual representation of what's going on, yes. I think. Uh, but it's, it's, you can't you can't get much of it. I did um it was a little bit upsetting to see that Cole Meany is apparently that was the first time he's ever thrown a ball, apparently. <laughs> um, yeah. That I, I wish we could talk about that a little bit. I, I don't it's throwing a ball is funny to me. It's one of those things that's like if you don't learn it early enough, you just never seem to be able to do it properly for some reason. I mean, I feel like I feel like I would get in too much in my head about it if I was if I was forced to throw a ball on camera. Yes. Uh, I don't think I could probably do it, honestly. Have I mean, you, I have you ever, ball if I'm not thinking about it. Have you ever filmed yourself walking? Like if you Oh yeah, I have, and it's terrible. Like, it's terrible. Like, what, what, what do I do with my hands? <laughs> if someone says just walk this way on camera. As you do it, all you can think about is how unnatural it feels to be walking. You're like, wow, it's, this is just... It's like thinking about breathing. Yeah, it's, yes. it's not... You can't do it. And not in a meditative sense. It's just like a very yeah. awkward sort of uh, uh, like George Costanza kind of like, I can't get out of my own head way. But I think that the... <laughs> yeah. um, uh, where the hell did... I, I think that the, the visual aspect of the ball was really strong. It's a it makes intuitive sense to the audience that that's going on like that. And it's not, I, I personally thought that the people falling down as a sign of bad luck didn't make a lot of sense. Like people no. just kind of dinging themselves, falling over and hitting their head on the, uh, the coffee table. But the, the ball was a very good examination of that. And um, yeah, I actually, it was so maybe so strong that I actually thought that Quark had rigged the racquetball court. Oh yeah, I mean, that could be is easily easily the reason as well. Like it seems like uh, something that could. We already tried to to fix the game once. Yes. So it's interesting that it was fixed in his favor without him doing anything by poison. And that's poison what I mean. The sure. whole the whole con angle of it. Is you start looking at this this episode as a con episode, and you start seeing cons everywhere that aren't even there sometimes. Yeah, I. In addition to the con aspect of it, I was I rewatched it sort of in the background this morning and. They actually do a very good job of subtly placing in the fact that luck is changing. And they do it basically by people mentioning it, unfortunately. But they it does mm-hmm. start right from when he gets the ball. Um, it, it comes down to things like he's like, oh, my luck is turning. And then Odo comes into the prison cell and is like, those people decided not to press charges. It's like, oh, it's all already starting to spin that way, which I didn't notice on my first watch through. But really, if you think about what's going on here, that doesn't make any sense that it would happen. In the in the in the logic of the the show, why would him being why would it affecting what neutrinos are around him spinning a certain direction affect whether or not the couple decides to press charges or not? Right, it make a lot of sense. It has a, it, and I don't think it. I, I think it, that ties into it. Doesn't have a lot of. Uh, it's not particularly clear, or maybe it is, and I just missed it. Why you would have good luck and then bad luck? At the same, like, well, it's 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 so it's it, the way they explain it is that it kind of just perpetuates whatever luck you're having. So if the machine shows up as good luck, it's going to per- per- perpetuate good luck, and if it's showing bad luck, then it's going to per- perpetuate bad luck. So it's, as he starts playing and he keeps losing it, it's it's producing more and more bad luck for him. It's just, but it's just the neutrinos spinning a different direction than they were before, which doesn't make really well, a lot of sense why it would translate to bad luck. Well, then why? Um, but why in that case he gets in that case at the very end everyone in the casino starts winning hitting jackpot shouldn't they be yeah. just shouldn't it be like not 50-50 cuz the, the house would even always out. wins yeah yeah it would even out cuz they say oh well all the small probability things are becoming more probable and it doesn't make a lot of sense because you'd have you know you have more enough, people. Big enough time timeline that it would also have 
the opposite effect. So I don't know. Yeah, that yeah. doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, I. It's, be, it's I, best not to think about it for an episode like it, this. Is especially <laughs> the way they should just put a little warning at the bottom of the screen. It's best not to think about it. Yeah, you'll just enjoy the episode, and it's fine then. I think that's fair. I think that I'm, we're we're sort of nitpicking it, but I think that it's yeah. a it, it's a an episode that isn't really built around that. It's more built around scenes like where the one where O'Brien and Quirk are talking to each other, which I don't think happens all that often. Not very often. Yeah. Um, and that it, it feels very just Quirk trying to be a Elorian style bartender, like trying to actually listen to people's <laughs> that was problems. Great. Yeah. It's good. Bits. Yeah. Like the, he was trying to change his ways, trying to be more of a better listener. So he's like prodding you for more information. He's like, look, I'm listening, huh? I'm t- listening, right? Tell me your problems. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's the, that's the point. What, I, what the most, the big thing that I take away from this episode is that it gave me a perspective of life on the station that I didn't really see. Even that, I think the nicest scene is actually, it's writing you don't see a lot uh, where Martis or whatever the guy's name is, when he comes out of Quark's thing after talking to Quark for a little bit, he leaves the bar and he walks out onto the promenade and he, o- O'Brien has to, he has to dodge O'Brien, who's training, running around the promenade. It's it's a nice it's a nice way to tie the stories together in a, in a believable and, un, and subtle way that you don't yeah. see on Star Trek a lot. And I, I just like moments like that. It's like a, a little... This, this had those little things like that, yeah. It, it's... It was good. It was good writing because it had it had those little moments like that. Um, there's the scene where uh, Bashir is talking to Dax about um, him not wanting to humiliate uh, Brian, but then he can't find a single condiment thing that works for him. And that's another subtle yeah. luck thing that's that's going on right there, even because um, every single one he picks up does not work until he finally gets one that does. Yeah, it, it's it's and it's not even like addressed. It's not even like there's no like there's no like it's just like little subtext to a scene. That is just that's why that's that's the moment I was like, okay, this is pretty well written because it's got that little thing going on there. Yep. Something extra that uh you could totally disregard if you're not watching if you're just listening to it instead of watching it, you would not you would not get those little like subtext moments there. Yes. I th- I think that's the uh the best way to sort of go about it. Um So I think we'll we'll call it a day for the discussion angle there. We'll take a, a break and we'll play an audio clip. We'll come back with some patron thoughts, and then me and Modi will give our own thoughts about the rating of this episode, and we'll call it a day. 98% of the neutrinos in this room are rotating clockwise. The games are open. We're not here to play, Dax. 100% clockwise. It's these machines. Well, my gambling machines? What's wrong with them? Somehow these machines are altering the laws of probability all over the station. So that's what he meant. Who? The alien who gave me the original. He said it all came down to luck. That must be how it works. When you win, it makes you lucky. When you lose... But these machines are affecting everyone on the station, whether they're playing them or not. Impossible. You must be mistaken. Wait a minute. You said there was an original machine? Yes, a smaller one. When I opened the club, I replicated these larger ver... Larger versions. All right, so time for patron thoughts if you uh, support the show at patreon.com slash the penske file for any amount you can leave comments about upcoming episodes and they'll get read on the podcast so you can go to patreon.com slash the penske file to support the show and get that done so starting off with holly mclaughlin rivals this one is just pure fun i'm a math nerd currently taking advanced stats so i spent the entire episode reveling in fangirl nerd glee it is a um i wonder if the the magic aspect cancels out the probability aspect did, did you find that or like i i don't know like 
I don't know if probability and bad luck ties into each other yeah. enough. Maybe because probability isn't about luck. Well, probability is about like averages almost. Like it's not about it's not about you know probability doesn't have luck. It just has a chance of something happens, but it doesn't say it's good or bad luck. If it does happen, it's it's going to happen a certain percentage of the time. Yeah. So I, there's no luck in probability, you know. Right, and I I think like if you I I guess you. I guess if something rare were to happen, you'd be lucky. But it's also lucky to have something that's likely to happen a bunch of. I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not. Or good something very bad to happen to you is a lucky because in probability, it's equally there's an equal portion of bad, good stuff yeah, that can happen chance. to you, bad stuff that happens to you, and a certain it is the exact same percentage of the time. Right. So um, being very so, bad yeah. luck is actually lucky on some. On yeah. Some level. Exactly. Um, carrier mobility. I'll leave the math to you, Holly. Though uh, carrier mobility says rivals. This was an episode I remembered loving as a younger lad. For years, I remembered the line Dax utters about the neutrino spins that all aligned despite having even odds to spin in either direction. On second watch, however, the nostalgia I felt for this episode washed away almost immediately. The rivalry between O'Brien and Bashir seems incredibly forced. There's nothing in O'Brien's personality as presented so far that would suggest that he would get so violently bent out of shape over a game, even if it is pointing out his age. Once again, Star Trek can't help but grapple with the concept of growing older. I've never been more aware of this Trek trope than when I than I have been while on this rewatch journey with you folks. The B-plot, or is it the A-plot? They're both equally bland, but the alien huckster is laughable at best. The actor playing the con man is hamming it up like a vaudeville villain so much that I'm convinced they must have originally written the role for Brent Spiner. Also, the wealthy widower mining scam setup from the female con woman is so obvious from frame one oh, of the yeah. episode that it completely fails to surprise when he's taken in at the end. It leaves me questioning if the con man is truly having a round of bad luck or if he's just garbage swindler. Solid D of an episode, I'm sad to say. Yeah, that's true. We didn't talk about the um, the widower aspect. Yeah, I, she's running a very old con. Like it's it's a very obvious con, and and it's one you see in lots of different movies and films. Like, yes, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't need the flip at the end. I I I knew I didn't I didn't need her to get caught either. I just like I would just love to just left it and that he got conned by this woman and nothing bad actually like on screen happens to him but you just know it because it's obviously that she got it yeah it's kind of the ending's kind of funny because it doesn't really nothing really happens to that martis or i think his name is martis that martis character like he he kind of ends up where he started at the very beginning yeah he's locked up and yeah he's gonna get kicked off the station probably but yeah he gets kicked off the station anyways. court just tells him to leave it's like well okay it's like i I was almost well, expecting giving him money too. He actually ended up ahead because Quark's going to give him some cash to leave. He wouldn't right. have had that before. Yeah, right. It's like I almost expected his bad luck to be so bad that it would be like a dark ending. But I guess that would fly in the Ooh. face of the tone of the overall episode. Yeah, it'd be a little change in tone there. Yeah. Uh, Nick Sergi writes rivals. Always good seeing character actor Chris Sarandon on screen. He is the ex-husband of uh, Susan Sarandon. If people are wondering, and I love giving Quark a story like this. Still, it's kind of middle of the road. Some different opinions. Well, not too different, but a little bit of difference of opinion from the patrons here. Kyle Barrett writes, Rivals, a silly episode overall with the Lucky Balls plot and a really boring guest character, but it's all worth it for the O'Brien and Bashir scenes. Their chemistry is fantastic and the racquetball game a lot of fun, especially with O'Brien's eye rolls and whatever that thing Bashir was wearing. I actually like the moment. The um, It's pretty funny when the the scene just starts with O'Brien on his back and he's like, what happened? And Bashir says, you stepped on the ball. It was like, it's like a one in a million chance. It was a one in a million thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a it's a good it's a good show of the probability thing and it's just like the the complete ineptitude of of O'Brien's game at that point like you just you'd step on the ball like that's what would happen to O'Brien. And, 
and also the cheapest way to edit that because they didn't actually have to shoot him falling down or anything yes. like that. They can just cut to it, yep. and you get all the same same uh, implied action. My biggest complaint is that there's no resolution to the racquetball game. We spend all that time with it, and they don't give us one last oh, scene. Yeah. It's true, right? Well, we know who won. I mean, we know. I mean, it's pretty pretty foregone conclusion who won that. If O'Brien, it would have been fun to see O'Brien battle back though at a fair game, and all of a sudden Brian, O'Brien's winning again. That would have been kind of fun at the end. If O'Brien wins, do the orphans not get blankets? Or the other way around? That's if, the, no, it's the other way around. Yeah, if, the other if, way around. Because uh, there won't be any profits if Bashir wins. Okay. So I thought they were going to bring that in. So O'Brien would... Whoever needs to throw the game for the orphans to get blankets, basically, would be the way that I thought they'd have a discussion about that. They did not. Stephen Cobb says, Rivals, fun, silly episode. Good O'Brien-Bashir relationship. Bashir really leans into the arrogance, and O'Brien plays it off perfectly. Fun bit of physical acting from Bashir in the replomat. He keeps getting up and checking all the salt shakers to find the one that works while he's talking to Dax. <laughs> the A and B story come together nicely. It's true. Uh, Immunities, a sci-fi drama podcast now starting its second season, says, Rivals could definitely be better, but I found it fun. As well as a boost to the Bashir-O'Brien relationship, we get Keiko girding O'Brien for battle, a rare glimpse of the sort of thing that keeps them together as opposed to just their problems. Absolutely, 100% agree. And lastly, Matthew Ross writes, Rivals, essentially light, meaningless fluff. A comedy bit with some dark undertones there reminds me of some of the other franchises' weird stuff of a chaos box. Hey, Babylon 5, you stole that one. But otherwise, it was a combination of the grifters and dirty, rotten scoundrels. Maybe Garrick made some money on the new suits? If Starbucks opened there, even a place as an homage to Battlestar Galactica, would Quark be in trouble? Maybe a Dave and Buster's would do it. I do wonder if they were trying to make Bashir and O'Brien Laurel and Hardy. Regardless, a light filler episode at best. A little bit of discrepancy in what the patrons think. Um, what would you attribute that to, Modi? Um... I think it depends on what you want out of your Star Trek. If you yeah. want this kind of a fluffy episode, then I think this is going to fill that void for you. If you've watched several bad episodes in a row, like I have for for your your podcast, um, this is a this is a refreshing change for me. <laughs> You're like this is a six out of five. Um, yeah, it might be six for me. <laughs> this is, I think that's pretty much it. I think that this is a it is a filler episode that is how you respond to it is based on what you're looking for from an episode sort of um i don't think there's anything wrong with that it's it it, it is what it is i suppose i'll just leave it at that so let's get to uh it's, let's get to the ratings modi what are you going to give this one on yeah. our one to five scale oh gosh i want to give it a three but i'm gonna give it a four okay because it's it really does it really again i've watched so many bad episodes and this is um it's written by someone who knows what they're doing with writing yeah, is what I would say. I mean, it, it's fine. Aside from the bad, uh, if you really think about it, ending it doesn't make sense. Ending, but it, there's so many little things in it and little writing tricks that they do that I'm gonna give it a four just based on the the funness of it. Yeah, that's fine. I'm gonna give it a, a three. I think it's a pretty, I think it's a pretty standard quality wise episode of Star Trek. I didn't love it, didn't hate it. Um, I wouldn't show it to anyone. That would be my four sort of definition. But I think that's, that's a, true. I would. I'll also show it to everyone. <laughs> I'm just going to start tweeting about this episode nonstop. Um, you got to see this one. It's it's fine. I, I it's, don't go in expecting big things, and maybe it's it's pretty good. I, I like the character work. I like the O'Brien Bashir stuff. I like the uh, the racquetball game, and uh, even Quark's storyline is fine. I would I would think that could be improved a little bit, but that's about it. Um, let's see here. So, 
We've done the patron uh, feedback. You can go to uh, patreon.com slash file if you want to support the show and do that. All the other social media links will be in the blurbs of the video description, blah, blah, blah. You can check out Modi's channel. I'll put a link to that as well. Uh, And outside of that, if you're a $10 captain tier, in addition to selecting what the general content is that we talk about, you also get your name mentioned at the end of the episode. So big thanks go to Vincent Adultman, Stephen Cobb, Nathan Elliott, Ewan, I always mispronounce your name. I think I over <laughs> I overthink how to pronounce Ewan. I just need to say Ewan McGregor, Ewan Tibbetts, Decker Sebastiani, Holly McLaughlin, Neil Brennan, Carrier Mobility, Doug Valkamp, Michael Pond, Bradley Killens, Rune Venler, Jay Stanley, Mike Burnett, Matthew Ross, Ben Douglas, Kyle Barrett, Joint Mango, Tarek Latif. Do you, Modi, do you know any uh, Ewans out near you? I don't know any Ewans. No, Sorry. I think I think it's just a name that doesn't come across to America very frequently. Um so I, I I always screw up the pronunciation. I apologize for that. Anyway, Mo, do you have anything you want to say before we can go to non sequiturs? If you have one, if you're familiar with this aspect of the show where we wrap up each episode with a sort of nonsense uh, small discussion. Oh, let's go, yeah, point. let's do it. Um, do you have anything that you want to kick off? <sighs> um, I've been playing an Android game called Gumballs and Dungeons, which is it seems like a clicker game yep. at first, but it's actually pretty deep roguelike. And uh, I'm really enjoying it. It's been obsessive for me right now. I don't know why. And it, also, it's it's the rare kind of free-to-play game that doesn't ever really want you to spend money on it. There's, <laughs> there's, you'd actually have to find a way to spend money on it, honestly. Made by millionaires, funded by millionaires who yeah. just want to give people... What's it called? Gumballs and... Gumballs and Dungeons. I think it's a Japanese or Chinese game. Hmm, but it's, it's English It's English translation's fine. And uh, it's it's actually pretty fun. That's a, I, I, I kind of need a, a phone game. I guess I should check that out at this point. Um to keep it on on uh, game related, I guess it would just be uh, I made it like halfway through Breath of the Wild. It just kind of stopped, um, hmm. which is an interesting thing. It's I think Breath of the Wild is a really good. It's a new Zelda game on the Switch. I think it's a really good game. I I just have a I, as I get older, I hit a point now with games where I'm like, that's enough. That's enough of this. Like I don't I. And there's so much to do in Zelda that I don't want to keep doing it anymore. I did, you know, like 50% of it. And I'm like, yeah, that, that's enough. I don't really want to do this anymore. Um, so that's just finish the, it out wherever you're at. Just, just plow through. Don't, don't do any of the side stuff. You could probably, I mean, if you really do it, you can probably finish the game without really getting anything else. Yes. As long as you've gotten the big four things done. Yep. Uh, you could probably finish it and just at least finish it out. You'll feel better about yourself. I should. Yeah. I'll, I'll be Ganon and call it a day. I think it's, um, but that's a that's a kind of interesting aspect of the games where I am now. Where like people always want the games to be longer. I'm like, no, no, just just keep it, keep it, <laughs> keep, keep, keep it. Ten to fifteen hours is fine for me. I'm I'm happy with that. Uh, let's see here. That's it, guys. Thank you very much for listening, Modi. Thanks for coming on. Anytime. And we will see you next time with the alternate. See you then.